You are listening to The 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day. We study God's Word, and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God's given us. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. I invite you to check us out at soh.church. And don't forget, download our mobile app. It'll be a great resource in your pocket. Digital Bible on there, great community to message back and forth with. And if you're listening anywhere where you get your podcasts, like, share, subscribe, turn on your notifications. Don't want you to miss a thing as we continue our study. We aim for five days a week, and we get there most times. And we are in Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21 is a really hearty chapter, right? I mean, it starts out with the triumphal entry of Jesus, uh, then goes to, I don't want to miss anything here, I'm just going to, I'm going to go highlight here, goes from the triumphal entry to Jesus, of Jesus, then him flipping over the tables in the temple, then him going to a fig tree that's not bearing fruit, making sure it doesn't bear fruit anymore. There's a miracle there. And what was that indicative of, right? The heart of Israel, that there were leaves on the tree, but no fruit, right? And that's kind of what Jesus came to change, right? And to implement the kingdom principles and the usher in what? The new covenant. That's why what we're reading right now was the end of the age. It was end of the old covenant Age, And we're going to get into that uh, a little bit more over the next few days. Uh, and then yesterday, we studied how, uh, once again, the, the Pharisees come and they challenge Jesus's authority. And they do so with a question, right? And it's a dishonest question. They say, Jesus, what... Uh, you know, by what authority are you doing this? Now, Jesus had already, one, answered the question before. He has exerted this, you know, in in many ways. Uh, and they are really just looking to put him in a gotcha type of situation, right? This is Jesus's last week of his earthly ministry that we're studying right now. So ultimately, they are looking for reasons to arrest him. They would. Obviously, right now, there's probably deals going on between them and Judas, if not already, uh, and they are preparing to illegally arrest him and ultimately crucify him. And we know the end of the story, right? He's he, Three days later, he rises, and I can't wait to get to that with you there. So Jesus challenges them when they say, hey, by what authority? He says, hold on, before I a- ask this question, and this is the you know, uh, Pastor J version. Jesus says, hold, hold up. He, he asked them, what, what did you do with John the Baptist? Do you think John the Baptist was of heaven or of men? And we see the hypocrisy of their hearts because they don't want to answer truthfully. They want to answer in a way that's going to allow them to keep their status and their clout. And that's what we see with these religious leaders. That's what we see, honestly, in the broken human condition many times, is that we're more concerned about our own status, our own well-being, our own motives and agendas than we are of the truth of God, right? And that's something that it's easy to point to everybody else, but also when we look in the mirror sometimes, we want to make sure that we flush out any of that in ourselves and make it about more about truth than anything else. So Jesus challenges them there. They say, I don't know. 
that really they're being dishonest, and Jesus calls them out. We'll see how he calls them out in this study when we study the parable of the two sons. And uh, they say, I don't know, so Jesus says, fine, I'm, then I am not going to tell you by which authority. And really what he's doing there is he is using the example of John the Baptist to challenge their competency, right? Because if they couldn't discern who John the Baptist was, meanwhile, all the crowds did, right? Remember, what they were so concerned about was that if they said that John the Baptist was not of God, the crowds would be against him. If they said that he was, then Jesus would say, well, why didn't you believe him? He would call them out. Okay, so where we ended off yesterday was, you know, not only do we want to look at other people's motives when they approach us, but really to look at our own motives in many ways and how we communicate with people and just to deal with people directly. Don't have underlying motives. Be straightforward. Right. Don't try to manipulate conversations. Okay, so now we get into the two parables. Jesus goes directly from this interaction into uh, a, a parable. And remember, a parable is what? A story with an underlying meaning. And Jesus would often tell this because they weren't listening anyway, but those who had ears to hear would hear and understand. And the parables that we're going to get into now are very much uh, concerning. I mean, we're going to be able to pull from it, them for us, but they're very much concerning uh, the hearts of the people. They, they have eschatological ramifications. Uh, eschatology meaning the end of the age, really where where they are in in the time frame. So let's dive in, and it'll make a, a whole lot more sense here in just a few minutes. I'm going to start reading. We are in Matthew chapter 21, starting with verse 28, and we will go through. Uh, verse 33 today. So remember that whole interaction. And now Jesus turns to them and says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and he went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not. Which of the two did what his father wanted? Now, I imagine the Pharisees listening to this and, and some of them saying, saying, well, this is an easy one. I know the answer to this. And then I, I, I can see maybe a few that are a little more brighter, maybe a little more skeptical in a sense, saying, wait, uh-oh, I see where he is going here. But I want to make a first point before we... Um, before we continue <clears throat> with this, is that both were sons. I hope you catch that. Both of them were sons. So it's not that one became a son, you know, when they did what the the father wanted, or one became a son when they when when they said yes. It that's that's not what it was. They were sons before this. They were sons after this. And so often we feel like our own mistakes remove our sonship, and that's not the case. For those of you who have children, you know that there's nothing that your child can do that would cause you to say, that is not my child. And if, if, if that is a possibility, then obviously there's deeper underlying issues, I would say, okay? But 
if we can look at our children that way, how much more the Father in heaven? So we have the two sons, right? The first son says, I'm not going to go. I'm not doing it. I'm not cleaning my room. I'm not doing it. And the second son says, I'll do it. First one says no, and then he goes anyway. Second son says yes, but then never goes. So Jesus positions the question, right? Which of the two did what the father wanted? And they answered the first, right? The one who said he wouldn't, but actually followed through and did what the father wanted. So Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For God came to show, for, for John, excuse me, came to you to show you the way of righteousness, right? What, what was the ministry of John the Baptist? The ministry of John the Baptist was one of repentance. It was one of recognizing faults in self and changing the direction of your life, right? Repentance is not a lifelong condemnation sentence. Repentance is literally looking at the situation, saying, I'm not going in the right direction. I'm making mistakes. I'm going to turn back and go the way I should have went the whole time. That's it. That's what repentance is. It's not a scary word like many want to make it. So Jesus says, I'm telling you, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, they're entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Can you imagine the mind-blowing status of the Pharisees at that time? The religious leaders, the haughty men that would stand on the street corners and just absorb the admiration of others. Now you have Jesus telling them the harlots are getting in before you. It says, for John came to show you the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. Even, even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe, even when you knew you were wrong. You didn't change. And look, we can all fall into that bullheaded category. I know I'm wrong, but hey, this is me, right? One of my favorite cartoon characters is Popeye. <laughs> I love Popeye. And one of his sayings is, I am what I am, and that's all that I am. Well, it depends on what you are, right? If you are settling for less than the, the less than what God has for you, then you may want to make a change. So I, I want to also point out here in this parable with the sons that God speaks to them individually. I hope you catch that here for a second. He speaks to them individually. He doesn't just proclaim from the household. He talks to them eye to eye. And that to me is extremely encouraging. That God just doesn't throw out blanket demands. And yes, we are together a large group of people called the church. We are the church. We're the ecclesia, the called out people of God. But God cares very much about the individual person, and that means you. He cares about you, the individual. So you can go to church on Sunday and you can feel like you're just someone else in the crowd. I'm telling you, you're more than that. You're more than that. You're someone who the Father cares for deeply. 
cares so much for you that he wants you, <laughs> he wants you to get to work. He wants you to do his work. And it was the father's vineyard. He says, go work in my vineyard, right? We're living in the vineyard of God, and we're blessed to be his workers. And that's something to point out, too, that the work for them was today, not tomorrow, not sometime in the future, was today. And we see the religious leaders maybe getting it, maybe not, but what Jesus is pointing out here, what, what, is, what are the ramifications of, of this directly to them, right? They looked good. They knew the scriptures. They were made up of the scribes and the most learned people. They would teach in the synagogues on Saturday. But when it came to really doing the work of the Father, they didn't follow through and did do any of it. And here we have fishermen, sinners, tax collectors, harlots, lepers. And that's one of the most powerful examples of Jesus's ministry that we must follow if we are going to be like him, if we're going to live a life that really glorifies him. That's Jesus included everyone. Whether you wore the robes of the priest or the rags of a leper, you had a place next to him. And this enraged the religious leaders, absolutely drove them crazy. Because Jesus was not only taking their followers, if that was the case, it would have just been a situation of like, hey, you know, because rabbis in that time kind of had their own like followers that would that would follow them around all the time. It would just be one rabbi stealing another's followers, but that wasn't the case. Jesus was bringing the undesirables, say that in quotes, the undesirables in. And here the religious leaders were so concerned about their own position and their own status that they missed the actual posture that God wanted for them all along. And that was leaning down and lending a hand to those who were less fortunate. That was arms wide open, welcoming people with his love and his grace. And Jesus was a light that was exposing all of that. And I don't know about you, but at times where I'm doing the, I'm not doing the things that I should be doing, and then somebody else comes along and does it, that hurts. Because you know you should have been doing it all along. And I believe, and this is just, you know, again, first J, second opinion here. I believe that to some degree, these the Pharisees were acting so violently toward Jesus is because deep down inside, they they are witnessing what they should have been doing all along. And they're seeing the transformation in the region. And for a whole long time, they were just getting comfortable being king of the hill, so to speak. And Jesus is coming in and saying, what? I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Those of you who want to be first are going to be last. And those who allow themselves to be last will ultimately be first. 
Because to do my will is to what? To love others. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's why in James it says this. And and if we could look at the two sons, right? And we can see uh, how the second son is a lot like some of us in the church, right? Where we, we go to church every Sunday. We can recite the scriptures. We can do all these things. And, and oh, one day we're going to do all these things, but we just never get to it. And some of us, we, uh, it's not a wicked intention, right? It's, it's we get so distracted with things that time passes by. And then we feel a little sick inside. Why? Because hope deferred makes the heart sick. And we sometimes think of that scripture and we think of it like, oh, well, hope deferred, you know, well, I, it, that means I'm, I'm just waiting. So I feel sick. No, sometimes we defer our destiny. I don't want to even say sometimes. I would say most of the time we are the ones that make the decision to defer our, our destiny. And when we do that, we suffer for it. We make ourselves a little ill on the inside. Kind of like when your stomach drops, you know you should be doing something. I don't know if that resonates with you. I hope it does. But James says to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Amen? And lastly, I want to I point this out about the first son that I think can encourage us all. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. If every day up until this point you told God no, all you have to do is tell God yes today. I know what I said I would do, and it's funny because this seems like it runs contrast to Jesus's let your yes be yes and your no be no. Well, guess what? If you found out your yes was wrong, you have to weigh it out, and it's okay to say, you know what? I was wrong there. That's repentance. If your no was wrong, it's okay to say, you know what? I was wrong. I said no, but I'm going to say yes now. That's repentance. Sounds simple, and it is. I didn't say it was easy. I said it was simple. But that's what I want to leave you with today as we wrap up here. That it's not how you start. It's how you finish. These harlots and tax collectors, I love how they put both those together, harlots and tax collectors, what society deemed the worst of the worst, what they do? They simply said, yes, Jesus, and they followed him. And that's more amazing than anyone who can recite scripture, anyone that can set up an altar, right? It's not about all that. It's about following him. Amen? So don't forget that today. I don't care what every day of your life has been from this point back. What are you going to do today? The work is today. And the work starts with, you know what? I know I said I wasn't going to do it. Or maybe I said I was and I didn't. But today I will. Today I give you, God, a resounding yes. Just tell them that today. 
Jesus says, follow me. Say, yes, Jesus. I will follow you. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Say, yes, Jesus. I will love my neighbor today. Jesus wants you to love you because he loves you deeply. Say, yes. I will start the journey of loving myself. And God will walk with you every step of the way. Because you are his son, you are his daughter. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you that we can get together. Today, Lord, we say yes to you and the work that's ahead. We're excited about today because we know that there will be opportunity to serve you here on this beautiful earth that you've put us on for this time in this generation together. Lord God, I'm so grateful that we can get together and study each and every day together. Help us to grow more toward you in Jesus' mighty name. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio, Sound of Heaven Church, Deer Park, New York. Check us out, soh.church. This is the 1% Christian. Remember, 100 starts with one. So now go out, say yes to God, and do something for Christ's sake. I love you guys. Have a great day.